This is Gavin Edwards, the author of The Tao of Bill Murray, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. December 18th, 2018, I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm Spider Chip. <laughs> We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. You know, this week is the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year is on Friday. Steve, that means every day after we get more light. That's and right. thank goodness for that because That's right. uh it gets dark like at 3 p.m., yeah. and then it gets light about, what, 9 a.m.? I mean, it is like longest, longest nights time of the to, world. Time to go for a vacation, go somewhere else, and, and see the sunshine somewhere else, maybe. It's you know, This is the time of the year that we've asked the, um, the governor of yeah. Illinois to see if we can move ourselves closer to the equator. For more warmth and more light. That's all I've asked for. And he said taxes will certainly go up. Well, the taxes are going up regardless, right. so we might as well get what we need. Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week. And, you know, Spider Chip, I think that uh, superheroes are, are in, in the news lately. They are. In <laughs> fact, I got to go see the movies. I... I uh, I went to the IPEX, Steve. Yeah. For our local listeners, they may actually know what that is. For people who are outside the area, this is sort of a, a premier theater where mm-hmm. they, they have a chef on uh, staff. They make mixed drinks. Yeah. They and serve you. There's little tables in the theater. They'll, they'll bring your food to you in the movie theater. They will. You got these loungers and all this other fun stuff. Yeah. I like going there. It's, it's very nice. I had a private showing of... Uh, <laughs> Sp- uh, Spider-Man into so, the a, Spider-Verse. A private showing because you were the only person who showed up. Steve, um, <laughs> I just said that it was a private showing. Uh-huh. I just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I ended up watching this. Um, I was uh, I had finished up for the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stopped to see the movie. This is the one that was playing at the time. I'm very glad I did. Okay. So if you, uh, the first thing I should say is if you have a family and you like Spider-Man, uh, this is probably a really, really good action film, family film, and uh, I will go ahead and announce this right here, mm-hmm. that we have finally, after 30-something years, yeah. finally have exited the grim and gritty world of comics and, oh, mo- and moved to a, a much brighter, happier spot. Okay, so sp- this Spider-Man movie, Into the Spider-Verse, finally has that that hero story and it's joyous and happy as opposed to dark and brooding yeah think of star wars when you originally saw it maybe in the 70s mm-hmm. yeah for our young listeners that was a long time ago yes it was in the galaxy far far away exactly um and then in 86 we ended up having comics release Watchmen by alan moore mm-hmm. and dave gibbons okay which was a deconstruction of the superhero genre we actually had a movie uh, based off that. Uh, we had uh, Frank Miller's uh, The Dark Knight, which was a very dark uh, version of, of an older Batman. Mm-hmm. And then we had Spiegelman's Mouse, M-A-U-S, which was basically, I think it was interviewing his father or grandfather uh, about the uh, Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And um, these were artistic. Comics moved from a... 
a, a very kids-friendly uh, genre mm-hmm. to something much, much um, darker, maybe what I would say. And and Alan Moore, who was the writer of Watchmen, who which was rated as one of the, the top 100 novels of the 20th century, he regrets the influence that this book had on the entire industry because everything at that point went to a very dark, very um, psychopath type of, uh, of nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's brooding and, and there's just no mercy given at all. And there's certainly something to the analysis of a character to find that other side of that character. There's, there's something to that, but to do it for 20, 30 years, uh, I don't need that side of Superman anymore. Well, the reality of this is that these were characters that were made for children. Mm-hmm. And you know, when Disney bought Marvel... I mean, they were looking. In fact, they they made a conscious effort to try to move the characters from this older generation to move them back to what they were, you know, the eight year old to the um, the twenty year old type well, of, um, of of person. That mythology, those those stories of heroic people doing heroic deeds that that we grew up on, that the next generation should also be growing up on. All right, so th- this movie was based off of work by Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. We've actually reviewed a number of his uh, books, and he did have some dark deconstruction type of the Jinx world. Goldfish was one of them. And he actually wrote a follow-up to The Untouchables, if you remember that movie, okay. yeah. um, where the a captain ended up moving to Cleveland, and mm-hmm. uh, it was called Torso. Um, but anyway, he um, wanted to write a Spider-Man story to his children he had, he adopted some children this spider-man miles morales if you're not aware of this he is a black child mm-hmm. um versus peter parker who is um very uh white and, and as we learned in this movie very jewish um sure but spider-man because of his costume he can be anybody but miles morales is a, a very modern take on that mm-hmm. the idea is that there are multiple realities and because of those multiple realities they kind of parallel universes live side by side seems to be something that happens one of my favorite storytelling modes is the multiverse i love the idea of multiple universes colliding and seeing what is different and what is the same and holding up that mirror to our universe and going look at yourself and look at what you can do so spider-man in miles morales's uh, universe is uh, has passed away okay um what we end up having is a peter parker from another universe who um well, things didn't go as well for Mr. Parker. He seems to have divorced his wife, has a little punchy belly, and seems to be kind of, um, well, struggling with mm. the, the life in general. Uh, and then we have Spider-Gwen, um, which is Gwen Stacy from another universe. We have right. a, a noir Spider-Man from the, he's going to punch you in the biscuit, Steve. <laughs> Uh, and then we, we have uh, Peter Porker, which uh-huh. is John Mulaney, which is very funny. Uh, this is a Japanese one. And, oh, that's right. And we have, of course, the manga version, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a little girl with her robot Spider-Man. There you go. So they become the spider team that's going to take on the uh, our bad guy, which is Kingpin. Excellent. This is a uh, animated cartoon with a lot of style to it. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I immediately uh, thought of an artist called Bill Sekovich. 
Okay. Now, he is a, an artist who uh, was a very naturalistic artist when he first entered the uh, field back in the 1970s. But what he turned into is this experimental um, artist. And so the kingpin who plays in this uh this movie is this great big square hmm. um, with his head like in the middle of it. So he's a huge, huge guy. So yeah, there's there's a lot of playfulness in the the telling of this. There are thought balloons and, and you know words that will pop up throughout the entire thing. Hmm. What a be- there's beautiful use of colors. There's beautiful use of design in it. It is truly a treat to see this story take place and the whole time the story just moves forward Hmm. Uh, i do recommend this um i would say this is 95 out of 100 so you agree with the critics on this the critics were were really really enjoying this film they say this is the best spider-man film ever well it it could be it's one of the best uh superhero films ever and and it's it's an anime it's up there with the incredibles which i would put that up there with wow that is that is a good territory to be in spider-man Spider-Man is one of those characters. Spider-Man is a wonderful character that we've seen evolve so many times over the course of the the decades that it's existed. Of all the, the comic characters out there, it's the character with the most value. Mm-hmm. It's worth over a billion dollars yeah. a year. So Sony, who owns the rights to make the movie Spider-Man, has tried their best to make this um, property pay off. Mm-hmm. And so they did a really, really good job there. Um For those who don't know, the the creators of Spider-Man, Steve Ditko and uh, Stan Lee, both passed away this year. Mm -hmm. And at the end, there is a tribute to both of them. And of course, um, all the characters are using uh, cell phones in this. And they're always scrolling through to get to the number they need to go to. So if you look quickly, you can see Stan Lee's name pop up. Michael Bendis. You can see uh, John Romita. You can see uh, uh, Ditko. So you, you can catch these little names going on there. And you go, oh, I know those people. Nice. Lots of little Easter eggs for you. Very, very good. So you really recommend this one for families? Oh, yes. For, for action adventure? Is it funny enough? And, Absolutely. And, and the characters are strong enough? This, is, this sounds like a great movie. This was made for the holidays. It was made for... Yeah, you know, for families. Nice. So if you if if you like something like Star Wars, the the original one, mm-hmm. then this is right there on that level. Uh-huh. If you like The Incredibles, this is right there. Wow, that's pretty high praise right there. I got a chance to see the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina holiday special. This came out on Netflix on Friday. It's an episode of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina that we saw a week before Halloween. This is their Solstice special. It's called A Midwinter's Tale. A Midwinter's Tale, yes. Steve. This is this is really good television. It just happens to be on Netflix. Sabrina is a character from the Archie comics. She's a teenage witch, and she goes through all of these adventures that she's trying to find herself where she is because her mom was a mortal and her father was a witch, and now she has to decide who she's going to be as she grows up. And for those who are not aware of this, this is a, sort of a teenager's version of this. This is certainly not the light uh, Archie movie uh, comics that you remember as a kid. This is not even the sitcom of Sabrina from the 90s. No. This this is sort of, uh, they've taken this and they've really made it into a horror. Mm Mm-hmm. 
type story. And there's a lot of uh, pagan overtures yeah. and a lot of uh, playfulness that, that comes around with this. This is a horror story without blood and gore. There is Correct. no blood and gore in any of this story, but all those pagan rituals that we might not remember were pagan rituals before they were brought into other faiths. Christmas. What are you talking about? Are you thinking of that Christmas tree that I have in my uh, house? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of your Yule log. The mistletoe. All of those symbols that were those pagan symbols that were then brought into a, a Christian household. Well, Steve, uh-huh. uh, it seems like the church has been very good at taking things that we already celebrate and, go, and making them to something that, that, that we can relate to this, uh-huh. this holiday. And this special is really good at pointing those out. And again, holding up a mirror to your real life and going, look, this is why you do this. And it's good. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to have these rituals with family and to have this moment where we come together and we celebrate life. This is a really good TV show. And this moves the story forward, right? Yes, it does. There is an introduction of uh, a few uh, wise men who show up at the end of this and we're looking forward to the witch epiphany which is coming up but it's going to happen in april they they've already announced the new season of sabrina is coming to netflix april 5th well how wonderful is uh-huh. that i look forward to that well so far this has been a treat to watch uh-huh. and uh, steve have you watched anything else this week well it, we celebrated christmas in my house this weekend so one of our family traditions is we watch a muppet family christmas from 1987 this is the tv movie of the muppets all coming together as a family as a creative group to celebrate each other and to celebrate life i love this movie steve is this a vhs <laughs> copy that you want I have a DVD copy. You do? I do. And if you look on Amazon right now, you'll find that Amazon will sell you a DVD copy for $50. This is a rare DVD right now. It's, really? Was it released commercially? Uh, it was released commercially. I do have a commercial copy of this. Wow. And you can do a Google search real quick and see if anybody has copies from VHS on YouTube. They, they might po- be out there. Possibly you could watch a fuzzy version. Uh-huh. All right, so one of our favorite uh, scenes in this, obviously it has all the great characters. It has. This is based on the Muppet show, mm-hmm. just like the Muppet movie was based on the Muppet show, and the new Jason Segel Muppets movie was certainly an homage to the Muppet show. This is the Muppet show celebrating Christmas, but all of their Muppet friends from Sesame Street show up, and the Fraggles from HBO also show up in this. All right, so tell us how it ends, because this is a touching spot. Yeah, at the very end, Jim Henson himself has a cameo in this. This is one of the only times that I'm aware of that Jim Henson's face appears in any kind of Muppet property. Jim Henson himself appears on on the camera and says, they're having fun. I love it when they're having fun. And, and that's... That's a great message. It's a beautiful message. He is overlooking this, his creation, these Muppets, enjoying their lives. And he makes this statement about how much he enjoys watching them enjoying life. This this is beautiful. And he goes all Bill Murray on this and decides he's going to wash the dishes. <laughs> that's it. It is a, definitely a Bill Murray moment. They, that, they don't get done by themselves, Steve. That's right. It, this is beautiful. If you haven't seen A Muppet Family Christmas, it's about a pig and a frog and their love and, and coming together as a family. I love all of this.
Opening this week, it is the big week for movie releases. The big budget blockbuster movies are coming out on Thursday. Well, they want to make sure they're ready for Christmas, Dave. Well, that and awards season. These are, these are not the probably going to be the award-winning films. These are the action films. But the award-winning films are going to be in here, too. The first one is Aquaman, the DC movie. This one uh, might be okay. <laughs> well, this is uh, not the robot chicken version, is it, Steve? No. This- For those of you who don't know robot chicken, it's where they take the toys mm-hmm. and they tell stories. Little, little skits. Seth Green, yeah. And they, um, well, Aquaman certainly wasn't treated well whenever... Well, Aquaman was used as one of the skits. Yeah. He was usually the punching bag. This is a much more masculine and strong uh, Aquaman, but certainly lightening up um, the the genre of the DC universe. Hopefully, yes. Well, I mean, Ryan Reynolds really pointed it out in Deadpool. Yes. Uh, in the joke where he said, this is so dark. Like the DC Universe. <laughs> this is definitely not the Super Friends lightness. This is not no. the 70s cartoon Aquaman. This is more to the point of the comic book. This is more who Aquaman is, I hope. And I think this is going to make a lot of money. Well, this is based off a, a superhero property, so this is your superhero release. Steve, um, there is another superhero release. That's right. There is Bumblebee, the hero of the Transformers movie, has his own breakout movie. And Chip, I got to tell you, the critics are loving this version of the Transformers. As much as you hated the first Transformers, much less the 17 sequels that came afterwards, this one has what you're looking for in a superhero movie. Well, I'll go ahead and let it be known today. I will make my stand that um, you'll enjoy this i will and i won't watch this oh my goodness rotten tomatoes gives it a 98 percent. this has got just about as good a rating as your spider-man movie that you love well how wonderful is that <laughs> there i've got to put a line down somewhere okay I, and uh transformers seems to be your generation and just miss me and you're you are right the, the transformers was certainly a very specific time in america and and i was in right in that age where i loved every minute of the transformers and gi joe sure. the, the cartoons the comic books the toys i was all over that i will watch bumblebee no doubt about it my wife will certainly be taking me to go see mary poppins returns this week well steve i learned to speak british english (laughs) from dick van dyke (laughs) yes you did so i mean where else can i go and you know to to see this again and mary poppins returns Uh is a follow-up, a sequel. This is a sequel. This is not a reboot. This is a sequel, an idea based on the original. And now we add, I don't know, 15 years to that story. And we see the children have grown into adults and they have children of their own. And Mary Poppins has to come in and save the day. Well, I did see sequels to Mary Poppins. They were called uh, Nanny McPhee. Right. In fact, they made two of the three. They were supposed to come out with a third, but yeah. they never did. Right. Um, but both of those were excellent. Emma Thompson. I love Emma Thompson. Oh, exactly. But this one has Emily Bond. Uh-huh. And she is playing Mary Poppins. Yeah, that's right. Mary Poppins. And you've got Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton. And he's playing Dick Van Dyke. He's playing... <laughs> with a Cockney accent. That's right. <laughs> He's playing a character called Jack. We'll find out how he fits into the Dick Van Dyke uh, family tree, perhaps. Now, Dick Van Dyke does make a cameo in this. We yes, saw that in does. the trailer. Um, which, um, Along with Meryl Streep and Angela Lansbury are all in the trailer. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Who's well, missing? 
Well, I think that, that the original Mary Poppins herself is going to be there, Steve. Miss Julie Andrews might very well be in this movie somewhere. It will be a huge surprise. I think she's going to show up as Stan Lee. <laughs> True believers. <laughs> That's right. That, I look forward to that. I, I look forward to this movie. My wife is excited about it, but she's a little trepidatious because she loved the original so much. The The original Mary Poppins is beloved, and, and trying to do a reboot would be wrong. Mm-hmm. Trying to do this sequel hopefully was the right course. Now, we had to buy this movie twice, mm-hmm. and it's not like a DVD wears out, right? but there was a scratch in it, and uh, my kids were still watching it over and over and over. So, yes, um, if you're a young person, especially if you have young girls... Mm-hmm. You've watched this far more. It's, it's, it's between this and The Nutcracker. I think you've seen like more times than we, we ever should. But it, I still love Julie Andrews. It is definitely the right week to release Mary Poppins. This is going to be the big holiday movie for sure. But there are other movies that are being released that may get uh, swept under the rug of Mary Poppins, to use a, a cleaning the house metaphor. Uh, Welcome to Marwin is a Robert Zemeckis movie. It is the, from the producers of Forrest Gump. is very similar to Forrest Gump in that we have a character who is struggling with his own needs and his own situation and finds a way to succeed. Now, this stars uh, Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> right, he moved Carell. from Scranton. Yes. And uh, it looks like that he somehow, something changed where he had to live his life through some toy pictures. At least he didn't have to go to the quiet place with the other guy from the office. So, so the premise of this is a gentleman seems to maybe have some mental issues. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He is, um, his life is not going the way it should. he feels it should go. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, makes up his life through taking pictures of dolls, mm-hmm. doing you know extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And um, you get popped between real life and then going and seeing these dolls. This fantasy world. Yeah. yeah. So this looks very interesting. Yeah. My gut tells me that this is going to get lost in the big blockbusters. I agree with you. And this is going to be a big blockbuster, and it could have legs. It, it reminds me of Forrest Gump because mm-hmm. it is it is certainly building on that Forrest Gump feeling. And I didn't have any expectations going into Forrest Gump, but that became the movie of that year. It was so well put together. This is probably just as good as Forrest Gump, but boy, I'm not sure that this was the right week to release it underneath all of those other big blockbusters. I'm going to agree with you, and that's all I have to say about right. that. <laughs> The other movie that's coming out that that might be great, but it might get lost, is called Second Act. This is Jennifer Lopez, Vanessa Hudgens, Leah Remini, Dave Foley, and Treat Williams. This is the story of uh, a character played by Jennifer Lopez who works in a big box store. Don't call it Walmart, but it's Walmart. And she decides she needs a change and she wants to go get a big corporate job. And in order to do that, they falsify her information and they lie and uh, get her a job in the corporate world. Now, this is, uh, while officially the United States doesn't have a class system, Mm -hmm. this is a class uh, story Mm -hmm. about, uh, say, blue collar. I'm sorry, the uneducated. Right. uh, Versus the educated class. Right. And uh, anyway, this seems to be, this is going to totally get lost in the shuffle. They they should have put this out a couple weeks ago, around Thanksgiving maybe. I agree with you. I think this would have been a great Thanksgiving story but they made it into a christmas story so they put it out on christmas weekend instead this is definitely going to be the one that gets lost underneath all of those great movies that are out there 
Our book of the week, Chip. I found a book. I found a book that I had never heard of. It just came up on my emails of my inexpensive books that I could buy each day, mm-hmm. and I I clicked on it and I thought, wow, this this seems like a great book. Guess what? It's a great book. It's well, I'm <laughs> I'm very excited for it. It was released in 2010. Tell the, me what the name of it is. The name of this book is How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. It's written by Charles Yu. And like you said, it came out eight years ago. And I had never heard of it until suddenly I did. Well, the, the beauty of the rediscovery of something that was lost. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the premise of it. The premise is beautiful. This is a science fictional universe. The main character lives in a storytelling universe where he lives his story and that is a part of everybody else's story it it's kind of meta it's kind of hard to describe but he is a technician for a company that makes time machines steve there's a trope that you like about books Um, is it being touched here? <laughs> it could be time travel. Oh, yes. yes. In this universe, everybody has access to a time machine, and everybody can travel in time to wherever and whenever they wish in their lifetime. And this technician is the one who you call when your time machine breaks down. If you're in peril in the prehistory and the dinosaur is about to eat your time machine, you call up the company and the company sends this guy through time to fix your time machine to get you out of peril. Now, I when I was reading about this, and by the way, I, I'm so sorry I didn't catch this when you started reading it because yeah. this looks like a, a really good book. Um, my initial thought was something like uh, Fantasy Island mm-hmm. with Mr. Rourke. My thought on this was these people in the book seem to be going back in time to change something to make a change that's what time travel books are all about is we have gone through some situation and we wish that we didn't have to go through that we wish that we had made another decision so time travel novels give us that experience of being able to go back to that moment and make that change it seems like our, our hero in this seems to have the same revelation that Mr. Rourke had mm-hmm. when working with other people in, in Fantasy Island. Yep. That maybe the change is not really the right. Change, maybe not. Maybe the change of the circumstance uh-huh. or the experience uh-huh. is not really what they really is wanted. Not going to lead to the same joy that you think it will maybe it'll be a different kind of sorrow instead of the sorrow that you're feeling maybe just you need to be stronger than that moment and to find your own way through the puzzle that is life now and where i took took that was not where this book is is kind of playing right but my initial thought was boy this would make a great like a series like mm-hmm. a twilight zone type series i agree with you um, so tell me a, a little bit about where the story goes well it's the amazing part about this writing is it's more of a metaphor for our lives than it is an action packed story okay the author tells us that he is 
frustrated because he's lived his life in this time machine, in this box for so long, he's so lonely, and he he feels like he can't go and experience life because he's stuck in this box. And he goes on, he extends that metaphor of the box to everything in his life. He says, we live in boxes. Our house is one box. And then we get into our car and it's another box. And we go to the shopping mall and that's another box. And we, we just put ourselves into these situations. And and the metaphor says we need to look outside of the box. All right. So for those of you who are having a difficult time sort of picturing this, mm-hmm. um, my, my initial thought on this came down to Bill Murray on how he lives his life. That's right. And sort of the philosophy upon Murray showing up at the most incredible places. Doing these incredible things with a straight face and just being a part of the moment. Exactly. Uh Like he shows up at a party. He shows up washing dishes like Uh Jim Henson. Um, He shows up to play kickball, shows up for your wedding photographs. It doesn't matter. He just kind of arrives somewhere and just like they call him this, you know, the uh, secular saint mm-hmm. that he is, he just he um, has an impact on the world around him, and um, this idea of living in a box, mm-hmm. living so um, safe, or I'm sorry, it's not even safe. You're not living safe. Right. The failure to engage and live and, and experience life, and ch- you know, experience the changes uh, that are around you. Mm-hmm. And then being able to find uh, your joy either um, in, in, inside because of it or because of the impact you have on the world around you. When we interviewed Gavin Edwards, the author of The Tao of Bill Murray, and we uh, talked about that philosophy of the, the idea of engaging in the most unusual way possible to make that impact without you know, being so blatant and obvious about it, just being a part of the moment is is what Bill Murray seems to be all about. There's so many interviews where he has said, I, I want to be more present. I want to be here now. Well, I, I think that's where we, many people are struggling. And, you know, I would be, you know, among many people is to let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to control every, every aspect of something. To be in that moment and then also to stretch yourself to doing other things. Mm-hmm. Just try it. To let go of the past, to face the future, and to work in the present toward that future. This is a science fiction book that is so much more a self-help story of words that we can use to talk about life and living life and not getting stuck. His mother in this book is stuck in a 60-minute time loop. She lives the same 60 minutes over and over again. She's always cooking. That is metaphorical. Maybe she's not really stuck in a time loop. Maybe that's just how moms are. They're always doing something for the family. His father disappeared years ago, and he's trying to find his father, but he realizes that his father is still going through and and suffering from the problems of the past, and maybe he doesn't want to be found. Interesting. So this is such great writing. All right. So for those of you who do not know Charles Yu, who was our um, 
uh, author. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what are some other work that he's worked on. First of all, this is his debut novel. This is his first novel, again, published in 2010. You should go and find it on our Amazon store. But he is currently part of the writing team for two HBO series, Westworld and Here and Now. And I wonder how much influence he has on that Here and Now story, because that is a story of finding your roots and figuring out who you are and, and working through the here and now of your life. Very interesting. I, I'm going to look more into his life. Interestingly, his brother, Kelvin Yu, is an actor whom you have seen because he's in 57 different things, huh. and he is currently producing and writing for Bob's Burgers, another writing piece that I enjoy. I love the dialogue of Bob's Burgers. Well. From from uh, your reading of this, I do have an interest in doing mm-hmm. it. It seems like uh, I'll have a long drive ahead of me uh-huh. as we head back for the holidays. Audiobooks are the way to do it. Podcasts uh-huh. and audiobooks. Well, this seems like a wonderful uh, book to, to um, experience. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I do think this would make a great series for like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think there's something that you can take from there and you could write a whole bunch of short stories. I bet you he could write it for HBO. You know what? He probably could. The old Netflix. <laughs> the old Netflix. Is that the original. The original Netflix. I agree with you. I think this the, would make a great series on HBO. Before anyone else. Yeah. Yes. Uh, once again, this is called How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. You can find it on our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Scroll with it. You know, it's the it's almost the new year, Chip. Oh, how exciting is that? 2019. And last year at about this time, we bought a subscription to Movie Pass for one year. So that is ending in the next few weeks. Well, it ended for me a few months ago, Steve. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. When they, when they ran out of money and then um, to find a movie mm-hmm. that you can watch. It was too much of a struggle. Oh, it has become painful. Yeah. Painful would be a good way of describing it. So you've decided to sign up for 2019. You're going to subscribe to the AMC Stubbs A-List instead, which is kind of the same idea as MoviePass. It is. I only can go to AMC theaters. Okay. Um, but the beauty of this is I could see up to three movies a week. Three movies a week is more than the average, I think. Yeah, I, I unless I'm Kyle Hickman, I don't think I'll be able to watch three movies a week. <laughs> when we review one movie a week, and we kind of struggle to get one movie a week on the books, three movies a week might be a challenge. Now, this costs nineteen ninety five plus tax. Per month. And, and I can go to, uh, with MoviePass, you were restricted to 2D uh, movies. Right. In, in regular theaters. No uh, IMAX, no specials. Sure. And, yeah. and basically, if something is showing at the AMC, and it's you know it's not um, like a special event, like a Fathom event. Okay, I was going to ask you about if the Fathom events would count on that. No. No, okay. it's, it's just regular studio releases. Okay. I can watch it. Okay. And uh, I can go to the theater, and I can see the same movie over and over. So if I wanted to go watch you know, the Spider-Verse movie. A second time. A second or third or fourth Mm -hmm. time. I could do it. I can watch three movies a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the, most people, if they go to the theater, I I don't think they're seeing three movies a week. No. Um, We review movies every week. You know, if I see three or four movies a month at the theater, that's a pretty good deal for me. So I think that will pay for itself 
for me. I, I will be in the uh, the good graces of that. Since yeah, we I think the movies. value of this at twenty dollars a month is is certainly valuable. It, the movie pass at nine ninety five was an amazing value when it was functional, but Correct. over the last few months, as it's become less and less functional, as they've just been bleeding money, mm-hmm. it, it's not valuable any longer. Yeah, we're at a point where there's last second gifts mm-hmm. um, for the, that you're thinking about. You know, for a, a family member. Hmm. Um, this seems to be right there. Yeah. I mean, especially if, if young people or families are looking for outings. Um, this seems like a you know a wonderful thing. You know, you're talking about twenty bucks a person mm-hmm. per person, but if you go to you know two or three movies a month, you're going to pay for it. It's itself. valuable. This is the Netflix of movie theater viewing. Sure. As long as you are close enough to an AMC theater, this makes a lot of sense for AMC. They want butts in those seats so that they can sell popcorn and make money. Now this is a month to month subscription. Mm-hmm. This is you don't you don't pay for the year. Right. So where the risk comes in. And this is really what I think is going to, going to happen, is that oh, uh, you know, first quarter happens. It was twenty bucks a month. You know, what if they change it to thirty five dollars a month? Right. Well, at that point, you know, things change. You, you, gotta, you have to cancel. You have to balance that value. We talk about this all the time. The idea of value versus the idea of price. If thirty five dollars is still valuable, if that math works out, this might be a great system even at that price point. But at twenty, it's it's pretty right on. Exactly. They're expecting you to purchase popcorn and, and drinks, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's exactly how it's working. I chose this over a number of the other options out there, and maybe we'll review them later on. But the AMC uh, is you know, not too far from us, and right. we can definitely sit down and we can watch a film. Excellent. If we want to sit down and listen to some music, there's plenty of streaming methods for getting music. And I am an old person. I grew up in Chicago listening to the radio, so I resisted and resisted and resisted the idea of streaming music and paying for a subscription until December rolled around. And my kids finally twisted my arm enough, and now we are the proud owners of a family Spotify account. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the holidays are a great time because most of the time you want to throw on some music for right. yourself and so you know we of course have through our uh, facebook and twitter feeds we've been putting down a countdown to christmas like we did a countdown to halloween mm-hmm. with uh with christmas music and i'm uh this year we're kind of picking out songs that are um, you know more current uh, and not necessarily something you're listening to on the radio right so you put together a spotify list of yes, all I those have. songs for our listeners if they have spotify they can go and they can just look for that even if you don't have spotify you can still listen to it for free with their advertisements plugged in really yeah all right so it, you know what do they look up too much scrolling then count down to christmas or you can go to our show notes it's right there in our show notes ah beautiful now i'm going to go through a, a couple of things that uh, i do because this is the time of year that, you know, once again, we, we listen to holiday music. Mm-hmm. And something I've listened to this year quite a bit is a guy named John McLaughlin. He's a, a singer. Uh-huh. And um, the recording I've been listening to this year is Red and Green. And that came out in 2017. And that is a number of, of original songs, along with a couple of uh, traditional songs that you may r- remember. And we listen to this a little bit. This is this is very um, mellow. It's not jazz. It's no, no, no. He's more of a singer songwriter okay. type of guy that has a wonderful delivery, and uh, certainly uh, holiday uh, in a wonderful, warm way. Mm-hmm. Um, Celebrating. I, I, I constantly think of that thing you do when I listen okay. to music. 
holiday music where the um, record producer or the owner basically said, give me something light and snappy, mm-hmm. you know, none of this Lover's Lament stuff. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for, this is the holidays, let's celebrate. And there, by the way, he has all sorts of emotions in him. But the point is, this is good, good music. If you add that to his Christmas EP, which is called the Christmas EP mm-hmm. from 2014, which is more standards with one original song. You really get this wonderful mix of of songs that you know and songs that are originals. I think that listening to these together seems to be a much stronger album than John Legend's album that he came out with this year, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of originals too. Although both of these would be excellent concerts to see. And my favorite um, Christmas album or holiday album from the last couple of years has been Leslie Odom Jr., which we know from Hamilton. That's right. Uh, and it's called Simply Christmas. Mm-hmm. And last year we, we raved a little bit about it, or I raved a little bit about it. I think that John McLaughlin and the uh, Leslie Odom Jr., both are just wonderful recordings. So if you're looking for something that you know, you know enough, but not, you know, you don't, it's not so familiar to you, like listening to the radio station music. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find these, and I found them on my service that I subscribe to, which is Apple Music. So you went with Apple Music because you have Apple phones and Apple computers and Apple TVs. You mm-hmm. are really in the Apple ecosystem. Absolutely. I went with Spotify because uh, we live in a mixed household. My wife and I are Android people. I'm fully in the Google ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Google Play was my music service for a long time because I uploaded all of my music to Google Play. And Spotify has pretty much everything that we need. And my sons both use Apple phones, and they have just as much access to Spotify as we do with our Androids. And the price points are the same. For a family plan, they're $14.99 a month. Right. Um, If your child or your children are buying a a CD a month, or I'm sorry, a recording a month. Right. What's a CD? I know. A recording a month. A certificate um, of deposit? This is going to, to, to... you know, roughly pay for itself. Again, value versus price. The price is high. This is a very expensive idea paying for streaming music. But that's $180 a year. That That's real money. But the value for my sons who have been begging for it, for your daughters who use it constantly, for mm-hmm. you, the value is there. Well, the, the smartphones allow you to stream your music and have it wherever you want it, having your playlist, you know, all sorts of, and, and put together your stuff. And that's the thing that I've loved about Spotify the two weeks that I've been using it. It is accessible on all of my devices. On my watch, I can see what's playing on any device that is currently being used with that account. It is seamless across all of my devices, both here and at school, which is amazing to me. All right, so we're getting kind of the weeds. I'm going to mention that if you have uh, an Amazon Echo, Mm -hmm. um, you do have the ability now to stream your Apple Music through the Echo, which uh, I do have an Echo. Uh, and, and and that's wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful um, uh, speaker and, and service that, that Amazon offers. Now, Amazon's music is available to you also. Mm-hmm. Many, you have subscription where you have a large version, and then they have some playlists that are available to you. And if you have Prime, you have a, a significant number of songs that are available to you as a part of your Prime subscription. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and the... The other thing I wanted to mention is that every year around the holidays, I rediscover Pandora. Hmm. And Pandora is also available through you know, an app through your, your smartphone, through most of the um, 
uh, you know, Roku's and uh, Fire Sticks and um, Am- uh, uh, Apple TVs. Those are the things mm-hmm. that we have available to us. Um, I've put together a number of playlists. And the way it, well, playlists works there mm-hmm. is you're not picking songs. You pick a couple of songs that you like. Right. This is the part of the Music Genome Project, which is a fascinating study in how we listen to music that we're not going to get into today. But if, if you sit in my class once, I will tell you all about the Music Genome Project. Well, the, the beauty of this is that the service is no cost to you unless you go premium. If you can't and, stand the commercials, yeah. Well, you get a couple of commercials here yeah, and there. I agree. And I don't mind listening to the commercials. Um, and I have a lot of playlists. In fact, I find that Pandora sits dormant for a number of uh, months. And then when the holidays come around, you just pop it right back up. Hmm. And you've got like these five or six playlists that you've started. And you go, oh, I'll listen to this one this time. So I have an instrumental piano one. I have a, um, a 60s jazz one. Mm-hmm. I have um, a, a more traditional holiday mix. And while Apple has their own stations that they put together, the uh, the Pandora ones are wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I uh, highly recommend that, um, especially if you're traveling and, you, and you, don't, you don't want to listen to uh, Holly Jolly Christmas, uh, Jingle Bell Rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like 15 songs that they continue to, to play uh, over and yeah. over and over again. From different artists. Uh, yeah. uh, let's just, well, from the same artist, but... <laughs> But it's just like that version. Yeah, uh, it's like this year we listened to Amy Grant sing this song, and yeah. Johnny Mathis will sing this same song. Right. And oh my goodness, it just it's to me it's very tiring. And for I a agree. young person, it's all new. Mm-hmm. So um, all these services are wonderful, mm-hmm. and hopefully, it will make your 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 holiday wonderful. And there's so many differences between them. There there are certain artists that are available on certain services and not on others. Garth Brooks, for instance, is not on Spotify. At all. There are no Garth Brooks songs. But but there were a lot of holdouts. I mean, Metallica, Garth Brooks, Def Leppard held out for a long time Mm -hmm. on streaming. I think Def Leppard has finally uh, decided to put themselves. I believe so. On Apple Music, yeah, and then what we uh, if you if you get down to the the nitty gritty of it to get really in the weeds, there are albums that will come out like Taylor Swift's album will come out, and it may be a week, it may be two weeks, or maybe three weeks before it shows up on one of these streaming services. It might be exclusive to just you have to go to the store and buy it, or you have to buy it through her website, and then eventually it gets to those services. Exactly. Our our house band Grenadier, all four of their albums are on Spotify and. Not not on Apple Music. So what, that's a win for Spotify. What is that all about? <laughs> well, I, I guess they get to choose. I guess there, you know, there's some people that will work with Apple and other people that won't work with Apple. Maybe they got into the right group to get on Spotify and uh, I get to listen to Grenadier whenever I want. All right. So let me tell you about the detriment of these services. When iTunes first came out, I rediscovered music mm-hmm. and we had all these bands that I had not heard of. I haven't bought, I did not buy music for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And Apple put a lot of effort into these artists. And all of a sudden I had a whole group of new music. That discovery piece. And think about the, the I was looking at music again, like, mm-hmm. like I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And the music that I listened to was different than what I would listen to as a teenager. But once again, it was just a discovery. With these services, in my opinion, we're losing that ability. In fact, if I'm an independent artist, I'm lost in this. 
And this is this is the detriment on where we're going to get our new music. Yeah, we're kind of to to borrow a metaphor from our book of the week. We're kind of in a box. Mm-hmm. Our music is in just a box, and without that discovery piece, I agree with you. I I am just listening to the same old stuff over and over again. Well, I gave you three um, three recordings to consider this there you year, go. and uh, Steve. We're going to be back next week. We yes. probably need some stuff to, to prepare for this. Yes, next Tuesday happens to be Christmas Day. What? And it happens to be the last Tuesday of 2018. So it is time for our annual look back at the year, our year-end wrap-up episode. And we're going to make our lists of our favorite books, movies, and news stories of 2018. You just said it was a year-end wrap-up. I was going to say a year-end unwrapping. Oh, thank you very much. Well, well thank you. Thank you. Huzzah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you know your favorites of 2018, send them to us. We've got a couple of listeners already that have sent in either an audio or a text. You can send us all of your information. What was your favorite book, movie, and news story of 2018? We will put that list together and we'll talk about that next Tuesday. Uh, We'll call it Christmas. Well, you know what? We probably should have a big celebration. Have the family over. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Have the Muppets. Have the Muppets. That's that would it. be great. That's and then, it. you know, the beauty is maybe Jim Henson, his ghost, mm-hmm. could come and uh, wash the dishes afterwards. That's right. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week. I think we can. we got plans. We're going to be here. We're going to do it. It's going to happen. If you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And on Spotify, so that's a win for Spotify, (laughs) you can go there and find all the information that you need. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm the Amazing Spider Chip. Oh, switch to the Amazing at the end of the show. Well, your friendly neighborhood Spider Chip. He's going to be the ultimate Spider Chip next week. (laughs) We'll see you in the future.